always talking. <laughs> In Italian, sounds much nicer. Oh, you know, yeah. He's content to be a jerk. He doesn't care who knows it. This is the Shut Up, You're Always Talking podcast with pizza artist Eric John. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show today. This is Shut Up, You're Always Talking. I'm pizza artist Eric John. And before we get into it, I want to tell you about my friend John Scambato over at Yacht Club Soda. Yacht Club Soda is making the best artisan sodas in the entire world, bar none. You can get this amazing treat by going to yachtclubsoda.com. They've got all kinds of flavors. They've got orange cream, lemon lime, root beer, grape, strawberry. The list goes on and on and on. And uh, this is Rhode Island's official soda. You don't have to live here to enjoy it anymore. You can go to yachtclubsoda.com and get some for yourself. The summer's coming up. It's getting real hot out there. Uh, Don't be a fool. Go to yachtclubsoda.com today. All right, today on the show, we've got Odin from OMB Reviews. Uh, Odin is a content creator doing movie reviews, and he breaks down the box office like nobody else I know. He creates content for his own channel, um, but also for uh, geeks and gamers. So, Odin, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. All right, so um, yeah, I'm really psyched that you decided to come on and talk to me. Um, I've been watching you for a while. Um, I love all your stuff. I love your reviews and your box office breakdowns and all that stuff. Um, and as someone who has just kind of started becoming a content creator, um, you know, moving from being sort of primarily just an artist to a content creator, I have a gazillion questions for you. And it kind of stemmed from this tweet that you you sent out. Someone had asked you why you weren't in Vegas for the uh, for the meetup, and you were just kind of explaining, you know, I got work and family and all this stuff. And it occurred to me that you know I'm kind of in the same situation. Like this isn't my full time job or anything, um, but obviously a lot of content creators it's it's their full time job. So, you know. How do you, how do you, as a content creator who puts out a lot of content, how do you, how do you manage all that? How do you manage a, a full-time job, family, and being this, you know, prolific content creator? <laughs> I, I wouldn't know about saying prolific, uh, but I think that it really comes down to time management, which has never been my strong suit. I've always struggled tremendously, whether it's in school or just in life. And it's just something that you kind of learn as you go through it. I used to do so many more videos on my channel. I, I would record a video pretty much every single day. And I was also streaming a lot more. And I got burned out pretty quickly. I realized early on, okay, yeah, this is not going to work, especially with my full-time, full-time work schedule. And then once you know my son came into the world, baby Thor came into the world, things got even more complicated. And so I really found, I think I found my stride the last six to 12 months when I had to start especially adapting to uh, having just different dynamics in my family life. And so it's, yeah, it's all about just management of time. Also making sure that the videos and the topics that I'm talking about, I'm actually, you know, passionate about, and I'm not just recording a video just for the sake of recording. And, you know, I, again, I I moved away from, oh, it's a, it's today. I have to record something because I have to record every day to more so of, all right, I'm up. I wonder if there's anything going on worth talking about. No, okay, that's fine. I'll just go ahead and do something else. And on the mornings where there is stuff, then I'm able to hit record. And again, because I got up early enough to get all the stuff recorded before school, I can get that stuff 
you know, edited and out there before before leaving. So time management is really the big thing. How long have you been creating content on online? Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I just hit five years. Um, wow. Which, yeah, I it doesn't feel like it's been five years, but yeah, sure enough, it started five years ago uh, back in the summer, near the summer of, I think, yeah, 2018, because all of this was really stemming from The Last Jedi. That's kind of where I got a lot of inspiration because it was from that I discovered Jeremy from Geeks and Gamers and uh, Nerdrotic and, and so many others. And I had always wanted to record videos, especially talking about movie reviews. And I started to see, oh, I don't need to have the polished reviews of a uh, Jeremy Johns or of a Chris Stuckman or, or the people that I had watched for a long time, especially when watching people like like Jeremy, because he just was a regular guy, didn't have any cuts or quick edits. And I thought to myself, oh, I, I can do that. And really from the course of that is when I eventually discovered my love of talking box office numbers and like, oh, I, I feel like no one's talking about these things. Let me try to dive in and see what I can find out. And uh, but yeah, five years. It's it's insane to think about. How how long would you say it took for you to because in a lot, a lot of the content creators that I've talked to and I've talked to a bunch um, often talk about how it can take many, many years to to for a channel to get any sort of traction or, you know, a lot, of, you know, for many years, they're basically speaking to like 10 or 20 or 30 people. Um, did it did your channel take off like right away or does it take like a while before it really you started getting subscribers and, and a lot of viewers? It, it definitely took a while uh, because I started doing content five years ago and in a couple of months, it'll be five years since I started doing live streams because I didn't I didn't start live streaming right away. I think I had have been about three or four months making videos before I started my first streams. I had maybe two or three people that were watching, you know, and I think that ultimately it probably took my channel about at least. And and keep in mind, right, not every situation, everyone's situation is going to be the same. It took me about a year before things started to kind of get rolling. But a big part of that was networking, reaching out to people. Uh, getting connected with people because it was within about a year of my channel launching that I got connected with Jeremy from Kissy Gamers. I had been tagging him on social media. I had been reaching out to him as well for advice. And he decided to watch one of my videos just again, happened to happen. And he said, ah, I kind of like this guy. And it wasn't long after that, he reached out about doing a box office video for the Geeks and Gamers channel. And you know, the rest is kind of history. And from there, having that connection it was able to lead to tremendous growth. People watching for Geeks and Gamers cross, you know, subscribing over to my channel. And then, of course, eventually it, it led to Friday Night Tights. And that, of course, has also led to a pretty big growth. And so now I feel, you know, five years in that there are still people coming from those places. But there's also a lot more people now who are discovering from other avenues, which is really nice to know. There's like a cross section of people and personalities. It's it's amazing how important the networking is. And, you know, I I'm coming from especially on on Twitter and in terms of being like an online person, I'm coming very much from the NFT community. And it's like, it's the same sort of thing. It's, it's meeting other people, hooking up with other people. Everyone's kind of sharing each other's stuff. Um, and it, it's like, it doesn't matter what sort of line of work you're in, right? It's, it's it, the networking and making connections and, and it's, it's how important that is to building yourself up. I think you explain it really, really well. Um, when did you realize that analyzing the the box office numbers and that, like, that aspect of it was kind of your niche? 
Yeah. So going back to The Last Jedi, I remember one of the first videos I ever did was, uh, you know, being critical of the takes that someone like a like a John Campia, he was talking about Solo and he was talking about how it was doing very well or how it looked like it was about to do very well. And I decided, I'm like, is it really doing well? Let me kind of dive into these numbers. And I'd always been interested in, you know, old school box office mojo before Amazon IMDb bought it up and destroyed it was awesome. I, I first discovered that site actually in college. I took an intro to radio class, which was so much fun to do. And one of the things that the teachers, one of the things the professors recommended us look at was industry figures and industry uh, concepts. And one of the sites she mentioned and she recommended was Box Office Mojo. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, this is really interesting. And I'm someone who I've always hated math. I've never been good at math. I've never enjoyed math. But then there was something about diving into the box office numbers for Solo and saying, wait, they're saying this is a success, but I'm looking at these other films that have done so much better. And I'm looking at these drop offs. Wait, there has to be some type of formula. So I just started to dive in. I was like, you know what? Maybe I could figure something out. And I started to compare it to all the other Star Wars films. I tried to look up, okay, how did it do in its opening weekend versus this movie? Does the first two weeks mean much of anything? Let me look. And it was through that that I developed the system that I currently have, which is basing a lot of my overall predictions as far as total box office on the first two weeks of release. Because I realized, oh, all these films, especially the Star Wars films, because that's where I started, all fell within this kind of basic same basic framework of okay it makes this much opening weekend has this much of a drop off internationally okay we're starting to see trends and so it was finding those trends that I was having fun doing that because I was like hey I don't feel like anyone's doing this I, I researched articles and tried to find as much information as I could about the box office it was, it was kind of limited which is why it's really fun now because and obviously I still love doing what I'm doing I'm still doing it for geeks and gamers as well but then also now you have new channels like Valiant Renegade who has been around for the better part of a year and he's doing box office stuff now, too. So it's like it feels like competition, but it's also awesome because I really enjoy his stuff. And we have very different philosophies on on certain things. And so it's become even more fun because of that and because now more people are into it. I never thought people would enjoy hearing someone talk about numbers and, and math before. But I don't know. Pe people dig it. And, I, and it's really cool to see. Oh, I, I mean, I find it fascinating. Um, and, and the way you break it down, I think, is is so great because you do it with a lot of energy and a lot of passion. You know, it doesn't come across like math. It's 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 math, but it's like math that means something. Right. Um, and obviously, there's like there's certain things that don't necessarily follow the formula. The Super Mario movie is clearly one of those things. I was. I, yes, <laughs> I was. Yeah. And I was in your camp. I, I didn't think there was any chance that it was going to do as well as it did. And one thing I noticed about it is that um, it, it made 10 times as much money as it cost to make. And I was wondering, just from your experience, how rare is that? Off the top of my head, I honestly don't know. Um, it, it's not it's not very common in a yearly basis. I, I mean, most films are in a good position if they're able to triple, quadruple their their budgets. Right. Those are usually films that are in a pretty good spot. But yeah, for a movie like this to make 10 times its budget, uh, costing only $100 million and still making over a billion, it's still making. I, I mean, we don't know the final results that are going to be in Japan and South Korea and these other places. And I've been saying this for a while. I think that it could be upwards of $1.3, $1.6 billion when everything's said and done. So you're talking about a film that could be 15 times its budget when everything is said That's and done. That's incredible. Yeah. And I think that that especially, like 10 times you might be able to find some. I don't have any off the top of my head. 
15, though, it becomes even more rare. So every weekend, this film is just getting further and further. Well, I look so I look I just looked at like the the biggest movies for each year going back. You know, obviously there's there's going to be movies like a Blair Witch Project type movie that uh, it could probably make a hundred times what it costs to make, right? Um, but the the last movie I could find just going by the biggest money, you know, the biggest money makers was Return of the King. Was the last movie I could find that made ten times what it costs to make. Why do you? What are the factors you think led to the success of this movie? Like, what's your best guess here? So I think there's multiple things. I I still and I will still hold to this. I still don't think it's the nonsensical argument that <laughs> Jeremy from Geese of Gamers came up with. Much love to you, Jeremy. <laughs> but yeah, so th- th- for those that maybe don't know, he and many others have used this too. Have said, well, you know, Mario, it's the biggest IP ever. Everyone knows it, and so it was bound to make. A billion. It was bound to make a crap ton of money. And I gave it some credence because I even was saying, and I think some people kind of forget this, right? They kind of sweep this underneath. I never said the film was going to flop. I never said it was going to lose money. I've always said it's going to make a crap ton of money because one, as you mentioned, $100 million budget is very low in comparison to a lot of other movies. But also I was even saying I could see it getting to 900, 950 million, but I don't see it getting much more. And I was again, basing that off of how Minions Rise of Gru did, how there hadn't been a billion dollar animated film since 2019, how it didn't seem like the, you know, the, the, the family audiences were really out in full force as they had been in previous years. And I think that that's what this film was able to capture. So it's really, I think, a mixture of, again, IP recognition is a part of it. But I think the bigger part of it, I think there's two main factors. One, families, families showing up to this movie in droves. Even my my uh, my sister, she just reached out to me a couple days ago. She has not been to a movie since she was in college. She has not gone out to a movie. So she has two kids. And so she brought her kids because they wanted to go see the movie. So that is a big thing, right, is the kids saw trailers, saw this looks like fun. And to kids, they have have no knowledge of the IP. They just saw a trailer that looked like it was a lot of fun, right? They were entertained by it. So the kids a major factor. And obviously, in order to get the kids, you need that marketing campaign. And that all comes down to Illumination. Illumination did a phenomenal job in marketing this movie. And that was the factor that I think I kind of missed out on, right? I knew they had done a great job of being able to get their families and get all the families into theaters, but I had not really understood just how effective they had been, right? If they, if you think about it, right, if they could do this with a little yellow dude, just create out of thin air with the Despicable Me characters, right? Getting to Minions Rise of Gru, I, I was an idiot to think that they couldn't do even more with an established IP, an established character that has a little bit more brand and name recognition. Do, was there a particular lack of competition also yes. at the box office when, <laughs> for the last time. four weeks? Yeah, because, that definitely helped for sure. Because what I was thinking too, because I, I, again, I agreed with you entirely in this whole thing. And I, I love Jeremy too. And I watch Geeks yeah. of Gamers all the time. I, oh, I yeah. love it. <laughs> um, but, you know, what's a bigger IP than Star Wars? And they're not necessarily, you know, you know, Force Awakens was huge, obviously, but their latest stuff hasn't been breaking the bank. So, yeah, so, you know, maybe it's a right place, right time, right sort of situation kind of thing as well. Yeah, it could be, you know, because one of the things that, you know, a shout out again to Valiant Renegade that he's been doing is he's actually been comparing this to Top Gun Maverick's domestic run. And what's interesting is that they're almost neck and neck with each other. So you think about Mario right? $100 million animated film. And then Top Gun Maverick, which was this huge success, had insane record 
you know, drops like in the teens as far as its percentage drop. It's just insane. And yet you're seeing very not necessarily similar as far as, you know, the strength of of the hold from week to week, but consistently 20s, 30s for more than several weeks. That's what I think has been the biggest strength. Some have even said had this film maybe released over the summer when they had more people out of school, when you didn't have as many people working full time, you could have even seen this film actually do even better because that's what Top Gun Maverick's advantage was, was it came out over the summertime. So yeah, I think that lack of competition, that's why this weekend I was just checking uh, box office pros projections and they're projecting the film of Mario to drop about 50% this week. And that would actually make sense because now that there's actually competition, well, now you're probably going to start to see those kinds of drops, which are still not bad. after being out for several weeks, but definitely higher than what it had been. Um, Odin lost a bet on the Mario movie. He has to eat a slice of pineapple pizza, which as a pizza artist, as someone who's in pizza, I, I find it repulsive. I, you know, I don't care if people want, people can do what they want. I don't care. It's fine. Gary can eat whatever he wants. It's fine. But it's not what, pizza. It's, well, they, <laughs> man, you really want me to, you want me to step right into the controversy. Of, yeah. Well, t- I, I mean, guess you're the pizza artist and, and you've just said, this is what I would say. It. This is what I would say. I, I, it's not traditional pizza. Let's put it that way. It's, it's something else entirely. But what I wanted to ask was, have you decided what you're going to use to chase it with? Are you going to, is there a certain like grape soda or a really strong beer? Like, what are you going to disguise the taste with? So I've, I've kind of got over this too, like with the, with the pizza choice and other, like the alternative topping combination. So I'm kind of screwed at all counts because. One, as I've mentioned, I don't even like pineapple. So like that's already a, a, a note like that's just a non-starter for me. It's not even the pineapple pizza specifically. I don't even like pineapple. So, that, oh, that's, so bad for you. that's a problem. Second, I'm meatless Fridays, so I can't cover it up with pepperoni or sausage or anything that might actually taste really good. And I'm also straight edge. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't do. So there's almost none of these extra things that everyone always recommends. I'm like, I, I just the none of these things, unfortunately, either. I don't eat or drink or I don't want to like some of the alternative toppings people have mentioned. I'm like, I don't eat those either. So maybe just have a toothbrush ready. I know. I know. Well, <laughs> I, really need, over. I mentioned this yesterday uh, on my stream and uh, shout out to my mod, uh, Laura Shorty Short, because she she mentioned saying, yeah, you should probably have a like a trash can next to you. And I'm like, I really should, because there's a good chance that vomit might happen because I again, I don't like pineapple. The texture just makes me gag. So I think because I'll be in the right mindset and headspace, it won't happen. But yeah, um, I, I'm I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to handle it. If I'm going to take it long, like take it, take my time, let people enjoy the pain. Or if I'm just going to be like, have you ever seen Beer Fest? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, the part where the 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 Jewish character is trying to showcase how great of a drinker he is. And so he grabs the guy and says, Lahayim, and then just starts drinking in front of him. <laughs> I'm thinking about like, just being like, Lahayim, and then just being like, rah, 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 like just like shoving it in my mouth and being like, all right, I'm done. It's it's over. So we'll, yeah, we'll be see. Like, you'd be like, uh, like Richard Dreyfus uh, <laughs> crushing the uh, styrofoam cup, you know, <laughs> to, to show Quint how tough he is. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. So I want to, I mean, Again, I could listen to you talk about this stuff all day. It's something <laughs> you just you're very engaging, you you know, in and you talk about it in a way that's very interesting. Um just going back to the you know, just the being a content creator and juggling everything. Um have you 
considered the idea of trying to do it full time? Is it something that's crossed your mind? And how do you how would you even go about making that like very, very big life decision? Uh, maybe like five years ago. So like four or five years ago, it, it had crossed my mind and it pretty much flew away very quickly <laughs> after that. Um, and it really comes down to, especially ever since I moved to to Tennessee, ever since I moved to Chattanooga, I, I love my job. I love what I do. And so I think that's probably a major factor is I wouldn't want to give up something that I already love doing to do something else that I really enjoy doing and I have a lot of fun doing. But I guess it's it's kind of like there's a big difference, you know, like there's just something that you get from being able to to, you know, you know, to talk to the future generation to try to see if you can, you know, influence them to make the right decisions to try to teach them what what is good and what is evil and, you know, have those discussions with them that I remember I never had when I was in high school. Like that's one of the reasons why I became a teacher and why I wanted to teach, especially, you know, religion, teach theology, because I knew that when I was growing up, there was a lot of things I just was never taught. I was never told. And I thought that they would be important things that I could have learned a lot earlier on in my life. So just again, I love what I do. So that's a big factor. And then also when it comes down to it as well, if I was ever going to make a decision like that, things would have to be <laughs> the channel as as I as much as I love my channel and as successful as it has been. It's not anywhere close to being sustainable <laughs> for for doing any type of full time work. Uh, so there's the practical side of it, but I think the bigger factor is really the heart. You know, my heart is with my job, uh, with the kids that I teach. And so and I've, I said this about YouTube as well. If I ever stop having fun, then I'll, I'll just pack up and stop. But I'm still having fun and it's not looking like that fun's going to stop anytime soon. Uh, so I'm still just enjoying doing it and uh, as, as a fun, fun hobby. Well, I certainly hope you stick around. I don't want you to go anywhere. And, <laughs> I have no um, plans at this point, so... Do you do you think you would there's a good chance you would like it less if it was a full time job is part of the fun of it that it's that it's it's something you do on the side? Probably. And now that you mention it, because it's something where I do it. And then, you know, basically with the system I do, I I still get up around the same time, whether I'm recording anything or not. But I get up around 6 a.m. because I'm a teacher. And so I have to get things going pretty early because once I'm going, I'm fine. But it's like the, the getting going that could be my a wife's hard. a teacher. My mom was a teacher. I know all about it, man. It's it's, it's a whole deal. It's not just because like, it's a 24 you know, seven because you're getting emails from students randomly. You're asking. I mean, especially now it's the end of the quarter. So you're getting Oh, is there anything I could do to improve my grade? I just it's oh. blew my mind when my wife would like get emails at seven o'clock at night. And I'm like, I don't remember emailing my teachers. When I, of course, it's just a different world now. But like, yeah, it's it's all day, all night. It doesn't. Yeah, stop. it's nonstop. It's nonstop. <laughs> uh, but it's it's fun, you know, and, and obviously the summertime definitely helps mitigate some of that, because while I'm working more full time you know, when I'm on, I also get two months where I essentially don't do anything and I'm still getting paid because it's a year round full time job. So it's like, oh, I get two months to be able to, you know, last year was great because I made rosaries and I also watched DS9 and finally saw Star Trek for the first time in my life, like an actual like dedicated season of or series of Star Trek and loved it. I love DS9. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so I you know, basically because of the way I do it, kind of getting back to what you had said, because I get up so early and then I get my video recorded, edited, and uploaded. And I think also because I have a system in place that helps because I can get, I can record, edit, and upload all in the span of about maybe 30, 45 minutes. And wow, that's, that's efficient. Depends, 
Yeah. So about a 10 to 15 max 20 minute video, I can usually get in around that time. So obviously it wasn't always that way. Um, you know, this is one of the things as to why I love, you know, I do enjoy the channel and I, again, I feel like I've been so blessed to be able to have access to things that I have because a big part of that is being able to afford a good internet connection, being able to have, uh, you know, bought the pieces to build my own PC years ago, right. From people supporting and, uh, donating to the the computer building fund, like all of these things have helped it so that I can get to a position where I can, you know, kind of crank that out uh, pretty, you know, pretty efficiently. And so because of that, though, as soon as I leave, I I'm at school, I'm in work mode every now and then I'll check in with the YouTube studio and I try to interact with as many comments as I can. That's the kind of person that I am. I, I like having those interactions and I like having those conversations. But other than that, I'm able to kind of just leave it and you know, come back to it when, when I need to. What, what age do you teach? So I do, I, I teach junior year religion. And so this is the fourth year I've been with the, with the current school and with this grade level. And it's a great year because we talk about morality and we talk about right and wrong and all these other things that are just fascinating topics to talk about. Do you have to keep the fact that you're a YouTuber a secret from your students or is it something <laughs> it's that impossible? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I would imagine, you know, that it could be complicated. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So essentially, I've always played it because this is really the only way I can is if I've I've won, I never will tell a student or a class directly. Oh, by the way, I'm a YouTuber. You should subscribe. I never do that. And it's, again, bad form amongst many other things. It just isn't a good idea. But I also I can't stop them from being on the Internet and finding these things out. And really, I had been doing YouTube probably for, I think, a couple of years before the first classes started to find out. And it all came from, of all places, I was reacting to James Gunn. James Gunn had gone on social media, or rather some social media, uh, you know, old social media posts, old Twitter posts from James Gunn came up where he was joking about, like, you know, uh, harming kids, basically, um, trying to think of the kindest word to say it. And so I said, these are not jokes. This is very offensive. This this is ridiculous. This is disgusting because I honestly do feel that way. I think there are certain things that should not be joked about. And it was iDubs. iDubs somehow picked up me among several other people who had talked about this and made like a roast video about us. So he featured a few seconds of my clip. And I had a student who came in the next day and said, you were in an iDubs video. Do you do YouTube? <laughs> and then from there, it just secret was out. And so every year a class found out, they would tell, like everyone would tell. So once one class knew, the entire school Everybody knew. knows. Exactly. And so that's always, so even with my new school, it didn't take very long for them to kind of find out too. And then again, they were able to, you know, now every class knows. <laughs> Is that, I mean, I find all this just very fascinating, just from a sort of interpersonal work life point of view do you is this do you have to let your employers know about this up front or is it some like Not them is aware that of? <laughs> i mean I've do never they care asked, like you know yeah i've never been asked about it directly um and i think i because of the way i handle it i think that is probably why i'm, I'm okay it'd be one thing if i was going out for instance on friday night tights if i was saying the same if i myself was saying the same kinds of jokes that Gary or especially Ryan was saying, then yeah, I'd, I'd be <laughs> it might in be trouble. a problem. Right? <laughs> It'd be a problem, right? But because who I am in the classroom is who I am online too, I'm able to you know kind of bridge that gap. And so there's not just this, there's not a huge 
personality shift or anything. I mean, again, if something happened to where a parent or a student said something, okay, well then obviously I'm sure I would have to talk to them at that point, but it's not really something where, yeah, I, I it's, yeah, it's never been something that's really come up ever. And, you know, I know that other teachers know because the kids will talk in their class about just how they're like, oh yeah, you know, oh yeah, he does YouTube. He's a YouTuber. And, how they've watched videos in in the class too. So again, luckily because I don't say anything really too controversial, there's not really a whole lot to <laughs> to get me in trouble with. So well, that makes sense. That makes yeah. perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think you know. Yeah, I don't think Ryan would be teaching theology to no. <laughs> necessarily to, <laughs> nope. to kids. Um, <laughs> I love Ryan too. Oh, I um, do too. I so, do too. Uh, but. He's a great guy. Yeah. So um, all right. So what? What's coming out? Like, what's on the horizon? Um, what films or movies are you kind of looking forward to just as a fan and also as someone who just analyzes this stuff, you know, all the time? Uh, well, obviously, the, the next one coming up is uh, tomorrow. We have got the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 coming out. And this is the one I'm actually fascinated by because all of the early indications are showing this film should not be very uh, impressive, should not be a very big box office uh uh, you know, creator or, you know, just a, a really big box office draw. And yet every single person who has seen it early has been saying the same thing, that they loved it, that they thought it was great, that they thought it reminded them of old school Marvel in its heyday, you know? And I think that sometimes, or in this case, maybe it could even be enough to get a positive enough word of mouth to maybe get some of the old school Marvel fan base back. Whether it happens is too early to tell, Right. The latest projections I saw had it at a hundred million dollar opening weekend, which is not terrible, but it's also not great either. So, yeah, it's really going to depend on how it one does opening domestically, internationally, and then also internationally, how it does up against films like Mario, as Mario is now finally going to be pushed into the number two spot in most of these countries. So, yeah, that second weekend drop for this movie, I think, is especially going to be interesting. Um, but as far as films that I actually care about and that I actually want to see, um, I'm trying to think I'm going through the release schedule right now because there aren't really a whole lot of films that have, that are yet to come out. A lot of films have already come out that I was looking forward to. Um, but yeah, a lot of the big fair, I don't care about probably not until July, to be honest, mission impossible, dead reckoning part one, that film looks great. You know, in an era where, um, in an era where the movie star is, is sort of dead, right? It's not really much of a thing anymore. How crazy will it be that Chris Pratt could have the two top movies in the in in the world at the same you know at the same time? Yeah, I, I think there's a very good chance um, that his at the very least it'll be the top two movies in domestic market for this past week you know just for this upcoming weekend. So he'll already be there, and um, yeah, it's pretty cool. And then also, I mean, kind of going back to how I mentioned with you know Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One, it's also isn't it crazy to think that Tom Cruise is likely going to last year, the first time he ever had a film that made a billion dollars, you could actually see another one this year. I, again, there's no early numbers yet for Dead Reckoning, but if he's able to do a lot of the same things and get the same magic for that movie as he was able to for, for Top Gun, you could see that kind of film make a billion. Do you think that the more that these types of movie stars have success and these types of movies have success, do you, do you think that... At I mean, it feels like to me at some point the studios have to understand that, you know, people just want to go to the movies to have a good time and not think about all the 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 
the crap that's going on in the world. Um, I mean, do you think at some point they just get the message and just they, they you know, even if it's just from a, a standpoint of wanting to make money, um, are that, do you think it's, are you hopeful that at some point they'll learn their lesson and start making more stuff that most people want to see? I wish I really honestly wish I would want more, more than anything I would, because then that would make my, that would make my job, my, you know, my hobby so much easier because then I'd have a big thing to talk about every single week. I'd be able to do breakdowns of everything. It'd be great. More movies that come out that make more money. Hey, that that's awesome for me. You know, I don't just like talking about films when they flop. I also love talking about them when they succeed too. The unfortunate thing is that, You've just got too many people that are in these high positions of power that don't care about it. They're, they're getting so much money from all these other revenue streams that they just look at it as a giant tax, you know, basically a tax write off. They, they it's, it's which is insane to me, like to me and you, just regular people who pay taxes and have to pay crazy amounts of taxes that we shouldn't be paying in the first place. Like for us, we look at this and we think, oh, I mean, you know. That's that's not nothing. You know, you're spending a hundred million dollars, you said, on a movie, and if it doesn't make its money back, you're just like, okay. Sometimes they even will make a sequel to it, even when there's no justification. So until you start to see massive change at the top, you're not gonna see any change at the bottom. Uh, unfortunately, you know. So I, I just I, I unfortunately don't think it's gonna happen. I, I hope it does. I would really love to see it, but everything that we've seen so far, I mean, I think even looking to the whole it's not movies, but it's pop culture, the whole Bud Light thing. I mean, they still, still, having lost, what, millions upon millions of dollars, have still not walked back anything. And that's how dug in these people are. It is pretty It is pretty remarkable. It really is. It, it, like you said, just from a standpoint of somebody who understands money and taxes and just sort of has like an average everyday life, it's like, what the hell is going on? Um, I really appreciate you coming on, dude. Um it's really fun talking to you. I love all this stuff. I find it really fascinating. Um, just tell the people who are listening where they can find your stuff, uh, where they can watch you, and um, where they can learn more about you. Yeah, people can find me at OMB Reviews on YouTube, Odyssey, and Rumble. I also have my Twitter account also at OMB Reviews. And there uh, you can just find more information about me. I've got links. I got a link tree in my video description. Also, my website, OMBreviews.com. I got tons of stuff there. It's where I keep my box office chart so people can look at that if they ever want to. I'm still trying to, you know, keep it up to date as best as I possibly can and make it as user friendly as I can. I wish I had some kind of design degree because I would love to be able to create something prettier like a the numbers or box office mojo uh, chart. But for now, I'm stuck with, you know, Excel documents and uh, Google Sheets and all these other things that <laughs> I try to make look as best as possible. Uh, but you can find out more information there and other links there, too. Odin, thanks again, man. This has been so much fun. And uh, I'll, I'll talk to you soon, dude. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on again. It was fun. You've been listening to the Shut Up, You're Always Talking podcast. I gotta go. Go where? Maybe we just got I got that thing. I gotta go. With pizza artist Eric John. Uh, wait a couple of minutes. We'll all leave together. Okay? This way you don't go out like a bunch of hobos staggering out one at a time. Please like, share, and subscribe.